Hi, I am Autumn Dixon, and this week's Come Follow Me lesson is May 23rd through the 29th, and we are going to be going over various chapters and stories in Joshua. Now, today I have my daughter sitting in my lap because she's having a hard time taking a nap, and I don't really have a choice but to film this, so she's going to be joining us today, and you might hear a couple noises from her. Anyway, so summary of... Joshua and the stories that are occurring. I'm not going to go over all the details, but I'm going to go over enough details to try and give you context for what I want to talk about today. So Joshua 1 through 6. Those aren't the only chapters for this week, but those are the ones I'm going to talk about. Joshua is called to replace Moses as prophet, and as he becomes prophet, he starts to prepare the Israelites for battle. And in order to do this, he sends a couple of spies over the river and into the city Jericho. And while they're there, they stay with a lady named Rahab, who is a prostitute. They stay with her and she protects them and hides them. And because of this, she asks them to protect her and her family because of this kindness that she showed. And they promise to do so. The spies go back. They tell Israel that Canaan is very afraid of them. And... And it's time to go to battle. So Joshua has priests carry the Ark of the Covenant into the river. And as soon as the priests all have their feet wet, the river parts, the Israelites cross over. The Ark of the Covenant then follows the rest of the Israelites. And as soon as they are out of the river, as soon as the Ark of the Covenant is out of the river, the river goes back to how it was. They place 12 stones to commemorate this miracle. And then all the males get circumcised as a sign that they are entering into the covenant with the Lord. As soon as they have healed up, they take the Ark of the Covenant and they run it around the city of Jericho seven times, which by the way, seven is a sign of a covenant. And they run it around seven times. They let out a battle cry. The walls of Jericho fall and it is a decisive victory for Israel. Now, this is a historical account. However, when you look at it from the perspective of parable, there are a million symbolisms going on, and it was so hard to choose only a couple to talk about, but I'm only going to talk about a couple today. The first symbol I want to talk about is the Ark of the Covenant. Now, in case you missed it, the Ark of the Covenant is, it symbolizes the literal presence of God among the Israelites, right? And so what is the role that the Ark of the Covenant plays in this story. It plays a couple roles, but the one I want to talk about is when it crosses the river. So Joshua has the priests carry the Ark of the Covenant into the river. All the priests get their feet wet, the river parts, the Israelites cross over into the promised land, what's going to be the promised land. In other words, it created a path through obstacles to the promised land, and those specifics are really, really important. One, it's important because the Lord has not promised to remove all of our obstacles in our lives. He has promised to help us get through them and specifically promised to help us get through those obstacles that keep us away from him, right? So the Israelites weren't trying to go anywhere. They were trying to go to the promised land and the Lord helped them get through to the promised land. Second little detail that I want to talk about with this story. And this is in Joshua chapter 3 and it is verse 15 and 16. And it says, And as they that bear the ark were come into Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. 
that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap. So the river didn't disappear. It didn't evaporate. The river built up on itself at the top end of the river, right? So it made a huge heap. It didn't go away. It was just in a huge heap. So the Ark of the Covenant comes in, the water passes, and the Israelites are able to get through. The Lord does not make our obstacles disappear very often. Instead, he prepares a way through those obstacles. And I'm sure it might have been terrifying, right? The river was still flowing, but it was flowing into a heap. And so it seemed like it was going to overwhelm them, maybe. And sometimes as we are trying to pass through our own obstacles, whether that be doubts or sin or ignorance or weaknesses, whatever it is that is keeping us from the kingdom of heaven, it might seem overwhelming because the water was still there. The river was still there. The obstacles were still there. But the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of the Lord, helped them get through to the promised land. Now, the as we enter into the last days, there are going to be a lot of, a lot more problems and a lot more obstacles when we are trying to return to our Heavenly Father. You may run into problems with history. You may run into whatever doubts it may be. You may run into a lot of different things. It will be your personal relationship with the Lord, that presence of God in your daily life that helps you get through those obstacles and return to live with him again. Second principle I want to talk about from this story completely surrounds Rahab. I love the story of Rahab. She was a prostitute, but the Lord didn't hold that against her. Right? When I think of the Lord setting up standards, I wasn't thinking of the Lord saying, you should be a prostitute and then punishing Rahab, right? He set that up as a standard because he knows that it can make us miserable and he knows that it can cause harm to our lives. And he didn't want Rahab to be in that situation. He knew the circumstances that led her to that situation and he didn't hold it against her, though she probably had plenty of potent effects coming to her because of that lifestyle. He didn't hold it against her. He wanted her to live a better life. That's part of why he gives standards. So, Rahab was living in this life, and the Lord chose to spare her. But beyond choosing to spare her, the Lord chose to utilize her, right? Didn't just spare her. He utilized her. When the spies came over, she saved them. And because she saved them and hid them, because of the information that they brought back to the Israelites, the Israelites were saved. And so when you look at it from that perspective, you realize that Rahab is a type of Christ, right? She saved Israel, just like Christ does. She's a type of Christ. Now, there are a couple of characteristics that help us know that Rahab was prepared for this, that she was worth, I guess, investing time and energy into, right? And because we're children of God, we all are worth investing in. But a couple of characteristics of Rahab. This first one is Joshua chapter 2, verse 9. And it says, so she's talking to the spies who she's hiding. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. So she literally bears her testimony to the men. I know the Lord hath given you this land that we're living in right now. I know that he is God of everything because you guys keep winning. She's able to recognize that despite the potent effects 
of the lifestyle that she has found herself in, she has the spiritual capacity to recognize the Lord. If the rest of Canaan had recognized that, maybe they would have known to get out of there or to act like Rahab, whatever it might have been. But despite the lifestyle she was living in, she was still able to recognize the Lord. Second characteristic. This is Joshua chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. And it says, Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token, and that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. So I think one of the worst consequences that often comes with sexual transgression is a lack of true love, right? We can forget what it might feel like. It takes, it steals it away from us, really. But despite the lifestyle that she had, she had the resilience to still love her family enough that she wanted to save them. She probably, at least if she's anything like many of the people who have experienced that today, there was probably a lot of fear in her life, a lot of difficulty, a lot of trauma and trials. But despite that, she was resilient enough to still love her family and want the best for her family. It was She wasn't selfish. She didn't just want to save herself. She wanted to save her family. These, to me, are two indicators of a very remarkable spirit that the Lord reached out to. Now, last note, I want to read something out of the Institute Manual. And I think this is really, really interesting concept. So according to the Institute Manual, it says strangers from beyond the river. So that is talking about the Israelite spies, spies who came to Rahab. Strangers from beyond the river might have repaired to the house of a harlot without suspicion or remark. The house of such a woman was also the only one to which they as perfect strangers could have had access. And certainly the only one in which they could calculate on obtaining the information they required without danger from male inmates. It's the only place that these spies could have gone to be protected. The Lord set up those circumstances. I can almost guarantee it. I guess I can't completely guarantee it, but I can almost guarantee it <laughs> that the Lord allowed this life to come on Rahab because he knew that he could count on her to protect these spies. The Lord often allows trials to come upon us. Sometimes trials come upon us because we live in a fallen world, but the Lord allows it not only for our own growth, but because it places us in a position to help others. Not only can we become a type of Christ despite our trials, but we could, we can become a type of Christ because of our trials. I have immense respect for Rahab and the spirit that she must have possessed in order to still be a tool in the Lord's hands. <laughs> Third concept I want to talk about circumcision. <laughs> so circumcision might seem kind of counterintuitive in this situation. I don't know how many people would want to circumcise their soldiers before sending them into battle. <laughs> like I said, counterintuitive. It takes about two to three weeks for an adult to heal from a circumcision after having it performed in a surgery, right? Or after having it performed in a hospital. <clears throat> I can only imagine how much more difficult it might have been trying to heal next to an enemy camp, right? The Lord could have chosen, excuse me, the Lord could have chosen to circumcise these males after they had taken the city Jericho. 
where they would have had plenty of time to recuperate and be fine. Or he could have even chosen to do it on the other side of the river. But no, they crossed over the river. They're outside this enemy city. And that's when the Lord's like, now it's time to circumcise you. And there's a couple lessons we can learn from his one specific commandment and two specific timing. Now, in order to understand these lessons, we have to understand that circumcision was a token of a covenant. Okay. So first lesson is that the Lord will fight our battles. You can put the saints or you can put the Lord's people Whatever circumstances you want, the most difficult circumstances, dangerous circumstances, and it will be the Lord who preserves them and protects them. And that's exactly what happened, right? You can make them incapacitated outside of an enemy city. You can throw them into dungeons with lions or toss them into fires. But if the Lord wants them to prevail, if that's his will, they will prevail and they'll be just fine. Second, there is power in covenants, immense power in covenants. It was the Lord who brought down the walls and brought them into the promised land, or in other words, heaven. It was the Lord who uses covenants to bring us back to him through his power. <clears throat> he wants us to keep our covenants and to enter into covenants so he can give us those blessings. He had the males become circumcised before they took over the city so that he, they could understand that through these covenants, he can give them power to return to him, right? There's symbolism in that story, and it's incredible symbolism. The Lord can bless us as we enter into covenants. And sometimes in our day and age, it might seem counterintuitive to get baptized, right? Satan works really, really hard to make it feel counterintuitive to get baptized. But as we enter into those covenants, the Lord can bring mighty power into our lives and make walls come down, walls that are keeping us from him. Now, those are just three of the lessons that I learned from this story. There are so many principles and symbols in all of these stories in Joshua. I encourage you to read them. I know that Christ is wise. I know that he does things so purposefully. And the more I read about some of the historical events, it's incredible how he can turn these historical events into parables, how exactly it depicts his atonement and how exactly it depicts his gospel covenants and power trials all of these things he is really a mastermind really when you think about it when you read these stories you see how deliberate he is yeah. i know he loves us i know that he has all power and i know that because he's deliberate we listen to him we can be protected we can be brought through obstacles the walls can come down and we can return to live with him where we will be the most happy that we can possibly be where we can receive our ultimate potential for happiness i love my savior i love that he is leading me towards him and that he paid the price for the process of me to return to him and i say that in the name of jesus christ amen <laughs>